From Leader Me Weekly, I'm Molly Garcia. This is The Empowering Teacher. Yesterday, I overheard another teacher say, my students are falling behind. Now, I've heard it before, but what stuck with me this time was the sudden and almost overwhelming feeling of panic and worry. I had a shortness of breath, my mind started racing, and I immediately felt just exhausted all in a matter of seconds. (sighs) I know I'm carrying a lot right now, even more than usual, which is quite a bit already, but looking back at that moment, what's happened that I fall into almost a panic mode so quickly? It's like I get caught up in this overwhelming flood of, we can't get it done and we're never going to catch up. I know it doesn't help me or my students when I spend any time thinking about the things I don't have any control over. I know that. I just... I don't know what it is. Something's off, and I'm really tired of not knowing exactly what it is. Welcome, everyone. Today, we're jumping right into the power of the brain. What does neuroscience teach us about how to decrease our stress levels and help keep us in and excited about our profession? With so many opinions and suggestions, we can find ourselves inundated with what to do or what to think. So how do we pivot from surviving stress to rekindling renewal? To help us navigate our way through these questions, we've invited Leader Me Director of Research and Expert in Cognitive Neuroscience, Dr. Eve Miller. Dr. Miller, welcome to The Empowering Teacher. Hi, Molly. It's so great to be here with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about this. Well, first, I want to start by thanking you for joining us in this conversation around the topic of stress in the brain, two words we're very familiar with in education. I mean, not only are we educating in a pandemic and everything that comes with it, we're also in assessment season in our schools. And for many educators, this brings on a whole new level of anticipation and stress. Teachers find themselves in a space of just worrying whether they've done enough to prepare their students for the state assessment and building their students' confidence to overcome that testing anxiety. And it's about this time when teachers can feel this added level of fatigue and elevated stress. This really does lead to the question today, how can we use brain research to support us to manage our stress so that we can feel revitalized and renewed, and not just for today, but throughout our entire teaching profession. So let's jump right into it. I mean, we frequently hear statements like, I'm just so stressed and burnt out that I'm not sure I want to continue being a teacher. And and these are hard statements to hear, especially because we know teaching is a calling. So Dr. Miller, help us break this thinking down from a neuroscience standpoint. Yeah, so burnout at its very core, it is our stress response, something that is deeply, deeply inside of the brain right there. It is the brainstem part of the brain. It's in warp speed and it has been allowed to just go into hyperactive mode. So it is running the rest of our brain in a way that it's not supposed to be doing right now. And so it just puts us into this imbalance that 
we can feel in our body because the stress response, it releases all these hormones that make us feel terrible. Um, and over time, not even over time, I mean, we've all had a stressful day where at the end of the day, we are absolutely exhausted. <laughs> so it's, it's no wonder that the three elements that are called burnout are exhaustion, Teachers, have you been feeling more tired than you have normally? <laughs> like so tired, right? Or you go on these, your whole weekend is spent like just laying, like because you have to recover some way, right? Yes. And you hear all, people talk about binging these different shows and stuff because they're probably so exhausted. Um, and then there's cynicism. So how are you like that pessimism that we hear, you know, are you, how do you view other people's intentions and motivations? How has that shifted? And also detachment. Have you pulled away from the things you love, the people you love in a way that you maybe don't, didn't even see because it's a slow process. So burnout is that, but the very core of it is just having a stress response that is taking over too much of our happiness and hope. As you painted that picture of burnout, I'm just picturing this chronic stress as this fog that seeps in over an extended period of time. And we may not even be realizing that this is happening to us other than our bodies telling us, hey, I mean, there's something not right. I'm exhausted. I'm feeling detached. We know that stress, it doesn't go away on its own. And, and sometimes we can fall into this fallacy that, gosh, if I just spend the day at the spa or I just need to pick up a new hobby, that it's all going to go away. And we know that's not necessarily accurate, nor is it a long-term solution. So help us understand how can we use the brain to work through these stressful times? Right. Yes. It's in understanding the type of self-care or wellness that can really help us to feel better. We need to think about these brain systems in terms of balance. So we have this threat, the survivor brain, and that is, as we were just talking about, it's, it is imbalanced. It is way too powerful right now. And the way to calm it down is to bring in and strengthen other areas of our brain. We now know that there's a part of our brain that is active when we are in resilience practices. And so what are those practices? Those are the things that really help drive wellness. And so when we know that, we can focus our attention on things that drive wellness because we need to have that balance. So some of those practices, key to a lot of those is reflection. Reflection, self-awareness are highly active in the resilience part of our brain. And so when we are in and building resilience, we are quite literally activating parts of our brain that are going to help us through the hard times. When we think about our strengths, when we think about what is most important in our life, we are strengthening and counterbalancing the stress response. We are telling it that this is what we live by, not by stress. We're getting out of the fog. Yeah, that... That intentionality is what I'm hearing, right? Strengthening that muscle, so to speak. That's right. So Eve, tell us a little more. I mean, you mentioned the survivor and what happens when it's stronger than the other areas. I mean, what are those other areas? So there's the resilience, uh, kind of this executive system. Um, and then there's also the regulator system. And the regulator system, that's what we are familiar with as being the executive function system. That's where our reasoning and our higher order thinking happen. 
Dr. Miller, we talked about the stress response system. What impact does that have on the resilience system? The stress response system has a powerful impact when it's in that warp speed um, on the resilience system. And you can recognize this based on your thoughts. Are you having a lot of negative self-talk? Are you feeling like you're like there's very little self-compassion? Everything you do is wrong and um, you just see you're able to just have this on replay all the things you've done wrong, what you could have done better. That is really the stress response just bleeding into and fogging up that resilience part of your brain. Because that resilience part of your brain is yourself. That's your strength, your hub of like understanding yourself and what your purpose is. So of course it's going to get in there and it's toxic to it when it's in warp speed and it just erodes it. It tells you you're not doing anything well, that you don't have a purpose. It's telling you that passion and purpose you have is just silly. Don't listen to it. It's just a stress response. And and that really is a basis for intentionality, right? Strengthening the regulator so that it can help the resilient system. Is that right? That's right. The regulator is in a balanced brain where we control or manage our emotions. It is the hub for um, really managing all the different parts of our brain. And so because the stress response has that ultimate veto power, it's just taken over, but the regulator can help get everything under control again. But we have to let it because we are calm and we're allowing our thoughts to come and go. So so how do we let it? I mean, it sounds like a simple question. Yeah. How do we let it? Uh, simple things like being aware when we are stressed, naming emotions. The reason why those are so powerful is it activates the regulator system within our brain. It seems so simple, right? But naming emotions... That's what it does. It takes us out of that brainstem and it causes us to think. It causes us to get in there and go, what is that? We're analyzing something and that's the frontal area where the regulator system is. Got it. So we're pulling ourselves out of those other areas and into a space in our brain where we can slow down and think and really name it. I mean, wow, just another point of enlightening for us. I'm taking this all in and it makes me wonder what happens when we have a stronger survivor than a regulator? I mean, what's the impact of that? Right, right. So when we have a stronger survivor than a regulator, uh, there's some really powerful research that tells us that's anxiety. When there's a pattern where your stress response is active at the same time as areas of the brain that are supposed to be involved with learning and executive functions, that's more likely to be in a person who is anxious because you want to know the part of the brain, that frontal area involved with the regulator that is active when you're also in stress mode. It's monitoring. We are looking at our environment, looking for stressors. We are looking around, looking for threats. And that builds the cynical view of the world. When everything we see is being influenced by our stress response, no wonder we start to feel depleted. No wonder we start to think the world's out to get us. Our brain is telling us things are out to get us. Wow, Dr. Miller. I mean, I'm processing through what you what you just shared. And this 
idea of trying to navigate these high levels of stress and we have strong emotions that can come into play, I mean, how do we leverage those emotions so that we can see them as messages rather than a threat? Right. No, that's a great question, Molly, because that is at the center of wellness. So there's this part of wellness where we build through self-reflection and and things like that. But the to get there, when we are in that warp speed with our stress response, the choice has already been made for us. We've removed our ability to choose. So we are just crashing from the things that happen to us into our responses. And so we are no longer in the in the driver's seat. By becoming aware of our emotions, we are able to get back in the driver's seat. And depending how far we are down the road, we might it might take time. So there's two ways to get back in touch with our emotions. And this is something we don't like to do. And so we also need to acknowledge the things we do to not listen to our emotions. Do you find yourself scrolling? And I'm not talking to you. I'm asking everybody. Like, how often do you- <laughs> I'm nodding, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know what? It's okay. Like these behaviors that are called numbing behaviors, that's, sometimes we need that because we can't quite deal with everything. But over time, essentially what it's doing is it's allowing us to not deal with our emotions. And when we don't deal with them, they control us. But when we listen and we go, oh, I'm feeling angry. Oh, I can feel my body is so tense. I'm feeling stressed. When we get curious about what's happening inside and we allow it to be okay because we don't want to resist it, we are able to start the path of wellness. And so often what we define as burnout is a lack of giving ourselves any attention, ignoring ourselves down to the emotional core of us. That's It's signaling to us. It's saying, please, please listen. Please listen. You need to stop. I need some rest. I need you to set a better boundary in your life. I need you to go care about those people at home who love you. You know, like it is trying to communicate with you. Yeah. So it sounds like those messages, instead of taking them in as a threat or are going into those numbing behaviors that we have opportunities to have balance and work through these possible strategies to build resilience. And as I'm listening, I'm like, yes, it, I mean, it sounds simple and linear. However, we know from educator feedback that the reality of imbalance is much more common than we want it to be. So where do we start? I mean, how can we bring greater balance to these systems? Right. Two things. First thing, start listening to emotions as signals, as communication from your most core inner self, most powerful self. Do not see them as negative things to not listen to, to numb away, but listen to them as communication. What are they trying to tell you? That There's hundreds of papers that talk about that as a core practice. The other core practice is getting clear on what is important to you. When we talk about things like personal mission statements, when we talk about creating vision boards, things like that, there is powerful science behind getting very clear on what is most important in our lives. And and on goals that are out in the future, this idea of future thinking is part of that. Like, who is that best self that I, I'm, I'm working towards or that I'm building, I've found it and I'm building it even more. That 
is the source of hope. That is the source of learned hopefulness, the opposite of learned helplessness. Wow. I mean, I am clearly seeing two strategies that lead to learned hopefulness, right? This First, keep my why at the center. Remember my purpose. I'm in my daily practice, in my mission statement reflection. I mean, revisit it daily so I can remember why I was called to be a teacher, right? I mean, this is a calling. Right. And second, it's in that paradigm shift, right? That pivot of seeing our emotions as a signal. I mean, my brain is telling me something and I need to listen so I can take care of myself and move forward. You got it. That's right. Wow, Dr. Miller, thank you for enlightening us and reminding us of the power of the brain and really knowing what we can do as educators to work our way through stress. I mean, our listeners are going to be holding on to this learning. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a pivot. We are now entering the rapid fire question zone. Okay, okay, all right, I'm ready. It's a chance just for our (laughs) listeners to connect with you. And get to know a little bit more about Dr. Dr. Miller. So if you're out for it, we're going to get started on our question. Yeah, let's do it. I like this. I like this. All right, here we go. What was the last book you read? The last book I read was uh, Making Hope Happen. Uh, but I read that for work, so maybe that's cheating. Um, it's really good, everyone. Uh, and Magpie Murders. I love whodunits. So there's the last personal book I read. Oh, I love them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love this part because my reading oh, list so just gets good. longer and longer so with each guest. I love it. So good. Here is the, the question I've been so ready to ask you. Would you rather dance your heart out or sing your heart out in front of a crowd? Oh, uh, in front of a crowd, I would rather dance. If I was like doing it with the crowd, I'd rather sing. Uh, So I feel like that is a win-win situation. I feel like it would be fun either way. If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Yeah, um, definitely kale chips. I'm just kidding. Pizza for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's impressive. Good for the brain. It makes sense. (laughs) Pizza for sure. Yes, all kinds. (laughs) What is your favorite quote? Oh, Molly. Okay. Uh, The thing that comes to my favorite quote right now is from Lizzo. I actually have it framed. It's, if I'm shining, everybody's going to shine. Woo, that I, gives me chills. I love yes. it. Yes, that's going to be a mental tattoo for me. It I is. love that quote. I, it is my wellness practice is I have to shine if I'm going to help others shine. What's one ordinary thing that brings you great joy? I keep a list of words that I love and that I hate. And they bring me great joy. You asked for an ordinary thing. This is as ordinary as it gets. So I have a list of words that I love that when I hear them, they make me giggle. Uh, Would you like an example? (laughs) Yes, please. Give us an example. (laughs) Uh, I love the word leotard. Um, I love the word uh, flautist. Um, (laughs) If you think of words that you love or hate, send them my way. Like I have people sending me words and I add to my list. So (laughs) you heard that listeners send them to Dr. Miller. Oh my gosh. I'd love that. (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. All right. What is the best leadership advice you've ever received? Best leadership advice I've ever received is probably the one that runs through my head the most often, which is you are not the point of reference. Meaning it's not about you in a said another way. This like when I get too into considering things is like everyone's thinking about the world from my point of view, that's that is not a good place where leadership come from. 
Yeah, that's powerful. That really is. And what's one thing that you're grateful for today? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty darn grateful to have had this conversation. Um, but uh, I uh, that I can't I can't count that, can I? Um, I am grateful the sun is out today, and I am sitting right here, uh, like just enjoying it. I got up early this morning, and I'm just feeling really happy to be alive and like just appreciating this lovely weather. Yes, you are certainly such a bucket of sunshine (laughs) for us all. It was so fun. Thank you for having fun with us. We'll be right back with some more greatness from Dr. Miller in just a moment. Do you need a fresh idea to empower students to own their leadership environment? I'm Lauren Drew, project manager at Leader in Me Weekly, and one of my favorite videos and printables is Power Words and Living Lockers. Even if students aren't using physical lockers, see how they can find ways to share their power words in a virtual locker. Search for power words at leaderandme.com. Welcome to the Paradigm Pause. Let's take a moment to consider the power of the brain. By seeing our emotions as a brain's way to communicate, we shift our paradigm from seeing them as a threat to seeing them as a communicator. When we pause and become aware of what we're feeling and dig into the why, we can open up a space to get clear on what's important to us. By setting goals and knowing our purpose, we pivot from seeing our current situation as permanent to knowing it's a temporary space that we will overcome. This becomes our source of hope. Dr. Miller invites us to lean into the curiosity lens, allowing ourselves to open up a pathway to wellness. It is in this curiosity about our emotions that we can fully take in the message our brain needs us to hear, the voice of wellness. Welcome back, everyone. We always end our podcast episode with one doable action step or strategy that the empowered teacher can take right back to the classroom tomorrow. So taking that paradigm pivot of moving from surviving stress to rekindling renewal, what is one thing our teachers can do tomorrow that will have a great impact in their lives? The one thing, the place where wellness starts is to start becoming aware of our thoughts so that we can control them and step in and make choices again with those. And to do that, we need to be aware of our emotions and be aware of what our body is telling us about our emotions. So start seeing thoughts as communication from your best self, asking for something, needing something from you, and not as a threat. Start listening to those messages. That has Habit One written all over it. Pause. Take a moment. Live in the space of self-awareness so we can name our emotion and make decisions not based on how we're feeling now, but on what we want to happen today, tomorrow, and a year from now. Exactly. Eve, thank you for sharing your genius with us today. And of course, a big thank you to our listeners. Keep shining. You've got this.